Destroy All Children is a website just for you If playing with video games is what you like to do Or rotting your brain with comics and first run movies too We've got a great selection of news and reviews So search us out on the web, you just won't get enough Of all our digital madness and other fancy stuff We'll also make you laugh until your tummy's feeling buff Destroy All Children you should go there now. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Destroy All Children. Knowing me, Larry Davis. Knowing you, George Brundle. Aha. Aha. Ah, we're here. I've just finished rummaging through a box full of Pokemon cards. Uh, did not record any of that because nobody wants to hear me saying, "Hey, how much is a, a star you worth?" And then you going, uh, $3? No. $80? No. Four cents. <laughs> Look, it's not my fault. Look, do you have a shadowless border? Is it first edition? Is it a Chinese card? Does it have a printing error? You have to be specific with these things. Uh, yes. This actually matters a lot when it, it comes to selling old Pokemon cards. Which is a nightmare. Yeah. And just put the whole box up on eBay for like 30 bucks. I bet somebody will buy it right away. Probably. But also, come on. That's kind of selling it short. I have a lot in here. Well, do you want money or not? Yeah. Hey, Larry. Hey, what? Speaking of things that you enjoy from the past, if I were to tell you that Disco. Back to the past? <laughs> That's right. Samurai Jack. Uh, what if I told nerd, you that? But... <laughs> oh, come on! I'll watch the nerd. I'm 33 years old. Uh, what I do want to watch, though, is all 358 episodes of Sergeant Frog that are coming to Blu-ray. I thought you'd be excited about this because I remember I... you being a frog freak. I back like the, in the manga. Day. I never watched the show. Okay, well I had set this aside just for you And the reaction I got to this was disappointing So let's move on to the next thing <laughs> Well, yeah Yeah, I never watched the show, I don't know Is that a case where like the show ran way, way longer Than the manga or something? Or did they just not publish most of the manga here? Is that the deal? Yeah, I don't know I didn't, like so I remember I have all you of had the some, manga yeah. and, and they're like 12 volumes or something I bet it's just like it's continued to come out in Japan They just never released it here Probably Because 358 episodes is a whole lot more than I thought yes, that, that there would be to Sergeant Frog Unless it's like multiple series And Discotech has just like Gotten the rights to all of it Which is a possibility I guess uh, Yeah this the, the sheet that they put out for this says that's more episodes than Friends, which ran on television for 10 years, in all caps. There are 31 volumes of the manga, but it, it only ran until 2007, and that was on hiatus until 2013, and then it's since then to present. So that's probably why. Mm. Because the, ones, the manga volumes I have are from Tokyopop, and they probably went out of business between 2007 and 2013. Oh, yeah. Probably. Uh, so that's God. I remember Tokyo Pop. Yeah. Jeez. Now it's all just Viz. That's it. Aren't they still releasing stuff under the Tokyo Pop banner now? I maybe doing it like an imprint or something like that. Maybe because I feel like I've seen stuff from Tokyo Pop recently, like in previews, and thought, wait, what? 
Yeah, I know Dark Horse puts out manga, uh, which, as we covered in the last episode of the podcast, is also an imprint. And I'm very stupid, and I don't understand comic book companies. Uh-huh. <sighs> Larry, we gotta talk about the Nintendo again. Why? Because the Nintendo Switch Pro is a thing that people are insisting is going to happen. This happened shortly after us recording the podcast, as a lot of news tends to. Uh, So a Bloomberg report came out uh, saying that Nintendo is working on an OLED display for a new revision of the Nintendo Switch uh, that they're going to try to put out this year. It will run at 4K when hooked up to a TV. It will Uh still be only 320p uh, in undocked mode. Wait, what? Huh? 320p? No, 720, I'm sorry. Oh. I mean, like, look, well, honestly... I mean, yeah, that's kind of yeah. more like what Switch games actually do in portable Yeah, mode. sure. So, I know that I kind of kept saying that, like, a Switch Pro would not exist, that Nintendo likely wouldn't put anything out until they're putting out completely new hardware, and considering what they're kind of, like, putting out as the specs of this thing, they might as well have just waited to put out new hardware. So I'm not really sure what the point of this is. I mean, thing sounds like it out- will still get bottlenecked. So the, what does it matter? The thing about output, outputting at 4K is so weird because nothing's going to actually use that except for like the main UI, basically. Yeah. Well, whatever games they might release in the future for the Nintendo Switch, so that's like two or three titles that you might get to enjoy 4K on. But the games are not going to run at 4K. There's no way they would. They can't run it. No. 1080 most of the time now and from what I understand they're not really doing much to the internal parts here mostly just the new screen yeah which even then like giving it an OLED display and still just having it capped at 720p seems like a waste Uh, of an OLED display to me I mean yeah you're gonna have people there like well you know pixel density for that size blah 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 like, there yeah, are some phones of, but... that run at higher resolutions than 720, though. Yeah. You're right. Like, for Christ's sake. <laughs> um, yeah, I... I wonder what the um, pixel density was for the Vita screen, because that was OLED on the original models, like I have. And then they changed mm. it to LCD because they apparently figured it was not worth the cost. Um. And they were probably right about that, but man, that original screen looks really good. But one it does. I never actually... Probably like one of the first commercially available OLED screens, in fact. I remember when I got that, um, just seeing like the Persona 4 golden opening uh, cinematic, I was like, man, this looks good. Yeah, I've never actually held a Vita, I don't think. I don't think I've ever seen one in the wild, in person. Yeah. I never bought it. I had the original PSP, which, like, at the time, I remember thinking, like, oh, this is the Nintendo killer. Like, Nintendo's going to have to bow out of the handheld market because this is just too good. And that did not happen. No, of course not. Oh. Still making handhelds. Pretty much only making handhelds at this point. I don't really know why people play the Nintendo Switch on TV. (laughs) Doesn't make any sense to me. You're not going to believe this. All right, so... A screen size okay. of 7 inches, as is rumored for this new model of Switch, a 720p resolution would be a pixel density of 209.8 ppi. Okay. The Vita 
at a pixel density of 220 ppi. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, good stuff. I really, that's not a huge difference, but still, come on. No, but given the the gap between when those two things came out. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that, like, this is, the Switch is still billed as, like, Nintendo's main thing. Because it is, but, like... Again, I never play it hooked up to the TV. I just don't see the point. I, I always just take it with me. Play it on the TV because I don't like the, using it in handheld mode. The Joy Cons are so uncomfortable time. to hold. And I got the I got Switch these tiny hands, and I can't hold yeah. a Whopper, so it makes the Switch a lot more uncomfortable. I mean, for I even me got because that, it's designed for children. I got the Split Pad Pro, which does help somewhat, but it's still not ideal. Yeah. I like the way that those things look, and if I played the Switch for any, like, real amount of time, I would probably end up buying those. But, again, I I put in an hour or two last year, and this year I'm going to beat that record, and I'm going for zero hours. Yeah, I think last year I only had a certain amount of time, like, 12 hours or so, it was because I bought Stardew Valley near the end of the year. Hmm. Actually, No More Heroes uh, 3 is supposed to come out this year, so I will probably actually play the Nintendo Switch for however long it takes to beat that, and then I will put it back on the shelf until (laughs) Bayonetta 3 (laughs) comes out. Haha, good one. (laughs) It's not going to happen. No, well, it might, but Uh... not until the next one. So, digging deeper down into this article, which is on tomsguy.com, uh, according to a notable data miner, uh, Scarysm, S-C-I-R-E-S-M, how would you say that? Wait, what's spelled again? S-C-I-R-E-S-M. Skyrism? Okay. Who cares? Well, anyway, this guy uh, found details uh, in a recent firmware update for the Nintendo Switch uh, it seems to indicate that the Pro model will feature the same processor as the 2019 Switch base model and the Lite, the Tegra X1 Plus chipset. Uh, the leak uncovered a project title, uh, Aula, which indicates that the chipset will offer higher performances by being pushed to higher clocking speeds supported by an improved cooling system. Skyres M also hinted that the console will receive a substantial visual upgrade with an OLED display and 4K capabilities and docked mode powered by a Realtek chip. So yeah, like it's still going to basically have the same hardware that is currently found in the light. So I, I'm not sure what the point is. It just seems to me like it's going to get bottlenecked anyway. It, like yeah. games are already not running good on the Switch at this point. They kind of never that, did. No, they never did. But like that, the little bit that they put out of that new Pokemon game, the open world one, looks like it runs like shit too. So yeah, that's like promotional footage that they put out. It's the stuff where they're like, "Hey, get excited about this new thing," and it even looks like it runs bad. So I just like we kind of talked about it before too. But like Breath of the Wild too. Like at this point, that seems it's going to follow the Zelda tradition of yeah, it, it comes out on the console it was advertised for, but you really want to play it on the new thing. Because the console it was advertised for is going to have it run like dog shit. Uh, even though the Switch did not run the first Breath of the Wild well. But to that point, I bet Breath of the Wild 2 would run horribly even off this chipset. So I just, I don't... They should they should just, they should put out something else. They should stop making consoles. 
Yeah, I mean, sure. In a ideal, perfect world, Nintendo That's just focuses say. on software. No, they should do handhelds. They were good at it. I, was, I mean, Switch is kind of a handheld. No, it's not. <laughs> it's kind of a handheld. Nope. It is not, because uh, it sucks at being both a handheld and a console, but I would say it's more of a console that can, well... Sure. I don't know. I don't know which it is. I, I, I don't know if it's just I, a bad get... console that you can also take with you, or if it's a bad handheld that you can plug into a TV. But but like I get your point, and I do agree that by by splitting their focus and trying to do both, they're doing neither well. Yeah. They should just focus on they should focus on one or the other, and between those two, just kind of given what the track record has been in recent years, I also would prefer a handheld and not a console. I mean, I would also Nintendo say... consoles have. Just not been for me for a while I would say if you cannot fit it into Like an adult like Cargo pant pocket It's not a handheld <laughs> where, Yeah, a backpack where, For my Nintendo Switch Yeah, you need a carrying case, you need a satchel For your Switch, that's not a handheld Would you say the Atari Lynx Is a handheld? Because you can't put that Inside any pair of pants I don't know, I, well I don't know that I've seen like a scale Thing to like know exactly because I've definitely never seen it in real life, so I don't know exactly how Lynx big is it is. Like a plank of wood to the size of that thing. It's huge. Yeah. I mean, you had to contain all that raw power inside of a like '90s video gaming chassis, so of course it's going to be big. It's going yeah. to be big. How much heat uh, did it put out? That's why I wonder. Did it like burn people's hands? Uh, please refer to my YouTube video where I crack an egg on an Atari Lynx and it cooks. Um, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I would prefer that they also just work on a handheld. But again, I like uh, my preference would be I could just they could just focus on making their software real good, which is something that like speaking of them not doing anything well, their software has also like we talked about this before. They're the areas where you could typically count on Nintendo to bring quality has started to wane this generation. And so if they focus like on any one thing and just making that one thing really good, I would prefer they did a Sega and just put out like really good software. Which shouldn't be confused with me saying that Sega puts out really good software because that's not they no. They don't yeah, do they that. Do. They have Yakuza. They have uh all the Shin Megami Tenseis. Yeah, but then they also have all the Sonics. And I feel like that just all the goodwill <laughs> that they when's, earn with everything else. When's the last Sonic game they put out? Sonic Forces. Yeah. And how long ago was that? Years, because it sold like shit. And yeah. now I think they just don't know what to do with it. Yeah, exactly. So they're not bothering. So what's the point? I think, yeah, I think they're afraid to put out anything that has anything. Well, actually, the last Sonic technically is that racing game, but that also was yeah, shit. That's not so. Real. Doesn't yeah. count. It's not um, a core Sonic. I think they actually said that technically it is. No, it's not. Which makes no sense. It makes no sense because it, yeah. But I think I want to say that they insisted that that counts as like part of the main series or something. Whatever. Let's just get people uh, to buy it. I just yeah, really like that they keep series, saying. Man. I just like that they keep saying like, "Hey, we we got a new Sonic title that we're working on. We have an announcement soon, and then they never actually announce anything for it. So I'm sure that thing is going to turn out great." Too afraid to even announce what it is Just like Kiryu like, Put on a Sonic hat That's all oh, they have to God. do Yeah 
Yeah, I read Romina in a Junji Ito book that came out. I think that's it for news. Did anything else happen? I know the Beth the Bethesda thing got finalized, but like, uh... there was something last that... week, like right after we finished, but I don't remember what it was. Oh, hey, here's something. Uh, they're making the Avengers game worse. Oh, right, all that stuff. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm not invested in Avengers the way that you are, which isn't, that's not to say that, like, you are excited about Avengers or, like, chomping at no. the bit to play it. It's like a fascination with you, seeing people, like, hold on to that game. It is funny, like, going to the subreddit and seeing that people have been grinding on that game for, like, almost a year now, and they're so desperate yeah. with, like, no content, they're just like... Look at these fan arts I made of what if Quicksilver was in the game? What if Beast was in the game? It's like, what if Spider-Man was in the game? Oh yeah, like they promised before <laughs> launch and it's still not in there? Um, go play Marvel this Ultimate is like, Alliance, you freaks. This is my version of when like Evolve Stage 2 came out and then people quickly dropped off of that too, but I desperately held on to it and was part of that subreddit. So, like, I I've been here. I know off. what it's like for these people. Yeah, I mean, I should have got out when you did, but I, I insisted that eventually they'll turn it around. I mean, they almost never did. immediately after Stage 2 happened, I was like, oh, they made this way worse. Yeah. Chasing, like, although that's, like, the opposite. With that, they simplified it so much that it completely ruined the gameplay. Here, they're like, what if we extend the grind and make it take way longer to level up characters? That's a good idea, right? Yeah, people don't like leveling up rapidly. No, like for a game that desperately needs more people to play it, uh, and they're just about to put out the current gen version of it like next week, I think. <sighs> yeah, well, you know, we don't they... want you to feel like you're getting rewarded too often by playing this game or I anything know. like that. Well, they yeah. say like we don't want people to feel like they're getting overwhelmed. And uh, granted, I have not played the game yet because I'm waiting for the current gen version. But I don't know what could possibly overwhelm you in that game. Would I take a low level Pokemon and I have it do like one move against a gym leader, and then it levels up like five times at the end of the fight? I start having a panic attack. Yeah, it's just way too much information for me to process. Well, you know, you don't even have to have it do one move. You can just have it there at the beginning and immediately swap it out. What? It doesn't have to actually hit. Well, I think I actually know that. I just have, like, purged so much Pokemon knowledge <laughs> from my head intentionally that I momentarily forgot that you don't have to actually have it hit the enemy. Well, like, at a certain point, they added those items that just, like, you have a Pokemon hold it and then they get XP on that. Yeah, the, the experience sharing thing, which, like, that kind of sucked because it splits, if I remember right. Because, again, I've tried to, like, get rid of as much Pokemon knowledge in my head as I possibly can, because I'm just, I'm done. But I think that splits the experience evenly across the entire party and not just, like, one Pokemon. I thought you give it to the Pokemon who you want to get the half of the experience. I thought it they was... might have changed that in later maybe. ones, though. I think that's how it worked the first time. It... Yeah, uh... maybe that's it. Yeah, look. Like I said, I don't don't quite remember. I mean, I also I, don't I replayed care like... Pokemon Blue and Pokemon Gold within the last few years, and I said, "That's it, I'm done." Yeah, I also never bothered other than that with any of the things that you have them hold. 
I don't care. Yeah. That feels like cheating. Like I also never use like potions or anything like that in the games. If you ever yeah. needed to, you're bad at the game. Look, if you really want to level your Pokemon up to get it like in line with the rest of the team, you do what everybody does and you take it to the daycare and then you ride the bike around in circles around the daycare for two and a half hours. I never did day- daycare stuff either. I did it to get it. I just leveled up my whatnot. starter Pokemon as much as possible and killed everything in one hit. As God yeah, intended. I mean, that's probably the correct way to play those games, actually. They're simple enough that if you just take one Pokemon and you focus on leveling it, it will probably destroy everything else in the game. Yep. At least like those first few. I don't know about later ones if you could get away with that. Probably. Because I don't think they got harder. If anything, they probably got easier. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah, if you could do like a mega evolution. I mean, you get mega on the opponent and you're only focusing on that one Pokemon, that probably gives you like a big advantage. It's like going Super Saiyan. Mega evolutions are so dumb. You gotta watch it every time. Uh, I guess this counts as a mini retro corner for me to just get Pokemon Blue off the list and say that's very bad. What? (laughs) I'm just, I'm joking. We'll do a Pokemon episode later on, probably whenever those other games come out. Uh, Which actually reminds me, like, yeah, the the new, the remake of Diamond and Pearl and the uh, open world thing that they're doing. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It, 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 air quotes new. One of those is not as new as the other one. One of those very much looks like the same game that it always was to the point that I'm not sure. Like, outside of it being on a better screen, I guess. I think um, I said that yeah, on I, here before, but I would take that over the new style, like the Sword and Shield style, because that's way yeah. worse. Yeah, we did, we did that last week. But, um... Yeah, I I think that's it for news. I was trying to keep tabs on everything, but a lot of the news that came out is just not do. good news. I do. I have right here Disco Tech, Sergeant and Frog. Uh, okay. I wrote Burger King for some reason, but I don't think anything actually happened with Burger King. Last so that week there was definitely something that you missed, and I thought about after the podcast, but then I've forgotten about it by this week. <laughs> you forgot at this about point it too. Well, at this point, it's been two weeks since it happened. So yeah. <laughs> Phil Spencer fell up down those flight of stairs. That's what it was. Oh. We wish Phil Spencer a speedy recovery. Yeah. Oh, uh, rest in peace, Phil Spencer. I forgot that he died this morning from falling down the stairs. Prince Phil Spencer. I meant to to make a note of it, and I didn't do that. I read Ramina. That's the thing that I was going to talk about. You what? Ramina, the Junji Ito book about the planet. Oh, oh, oh. With the okay, a planet that licks other planets Leo because, Ramina. of course. <laughs> yes, that's right. The thing is, though, you were um, saying like Red Ramina, and I wasn't sure what that meant. <laughs> like, what is Red Ramina? Uh, no, R- Ramina. R- okay, uh, it yes, is about I how you say it. Yeah, Ramina. It is about an astronomer whose daughter is named Ramina, and he discovers a planet, Ramina. and so he names it after his daughter. And then the planet starts just cruising through space, closing distance between uh, itself and Earth. And along the way, it's just like busting through other planets and destroying them. Or like a giant tongue comes out of the planet and it will like curl around another planet and then eat it up. 
Okay. The Ramina planet licks Earth at one point because, so of like, course, it's the Junji Ito book. This is so. Junji Ito read like an old Marvel comic with Ego the Living Planet and thought, I'm going to do that. Yes. Yes. That is okay. exactly what this is. It is an Ego the Living Planet story by Junji Ito, which means it is also fucking terrifying how and they, gross. How do they get that much mileage out of that concept? Because isn't that like a 300 page book or something? Do they put it, it out with uh, a bunch of short stories like they usually do? No. So a lot of the mileage is uh, the woman, Ramina, getting horribly tortured for probably about 200 pages. That's oh, well, really that's all this book is, is just the worst shit imaginable happening to this woman. Because when the planet ends up like entering our solar system and it comes upon Earth, everyone is so freaked out that this is the end times that a cult pops up and the cult's theory is that if we kill uh, her dad and we kill Ramina, then the planet will go away. And so a lot of it is like her dad gets put on a cross and they stab him to death and then he gets burned. And then later on they tie Ramina to her father's burnt corpse. And then a guy climbs up on her and starts licking her face. It's, it's basically just that for 200 pages. <laughs> it's all this book is. Great. And, like, in, in that respect, it is maybe the worst Junji Ito book I've read. Because, like, I, I feel that he goes into some very interesting directions with his concept, but this is just, like, two-thirds of this is kind of just going through the motions. It's stuff that you've seen happen to characters in other Junji Ito books, but it just doesn't have as much weight here because the, the concept runs thin very quickly. Uh, but then it gets to the last third. And it starts to get really good again. Because, uh, again, the, the the planet licks Earth, and in doing so, the Earth starts spinning around really, really, really fast. So then everyone kind of becomes weightless, and then you get, like, a bunch of DBZ battles. You just have this homeless man, like, jumping through the sky and kicking dudes and lifting buildings and stuff, and it's fantastic. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Why not? There's... There's a whole like ending sequence to this where he has picked up Ermina and is trying to get away, and everyone who's left on the planet just sees them flying through the sky, and they're just like, shit, get them! And so they're like making a full loop around the planet with this like gigantic storm of people behind them, and like some of them have cars and are trying to like run them over in midair, and it's crazy and it's really good. Uh, but the, the the lead up to that is just kind of it's the first time I think Jinji Ito has not quite landed for me. So it's a little upsetting. I mean, I've kind of felt that way for a while. Like the last few that I've read, it's just like, yeah, I get it. Junji kind of the same stuff over and over. What were the last few? I don't know. Again, they all just blur together. I don't... It was like those, the short story collection smashed mm. and shiver and all of that stuff. And it's just like, yeah, Weird, I like Smash Lady. She, they, she's a model, but she's also like a weird monster lady. Like the twist, yeah, that one's not the, very good. The twist in that would have been, oh, she actually isn't a monster lady. She just looks weird. Yeah. And so it's like, but oh, she's a monster she lady. Yeah. What? Um, I do like the one though, and that with the kid who puts like the uh, nails in his mouth. And they have like that haunted that haunted ride attraction that his family is running and is just really weird and creepy and the family is kind of forced to perform in it against their will. 
Like even though that one doesn't really have much of a twist, I I enjoy that one. Isn't that also kind of just the same as the one where the guy um he has the house with where everyone's like mannequins and got people in, up above above the ceiling like controlling everyone? Oh, uh, not really, because like the family's into it in that one. They're not being made to do that against their will. No. It's just one of the mannequins is alive, and he's a little, like, hell child, and he will stab you. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, Junji Ito saw Puppet Master, and he's just like, (laughs) I have an idea for a comic. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. (laughs) Little little tiny murderous knack tonight. Yeah. If you put, like, if you put some Nazis in there, it'll be indistinguishable from Puppet Master. Yeah. yeah, I I kind of get that. I I think that there are definitely some Junji Ito stories where it just feels like, hey, Junji, you did this before. I've I've read this story. You're just kind of redrawing it at this point. Looking forward uh, to and... the time when Junji Ito draws a story where everybody talks about how they want to watch the Blu-ray of Paul while they're sitting in the pool. <laughs> we'll come back to round around to Paul at the end of this podcast. Okay, that's um, my promise to you. Uh. Yeah, like, Ramina is a little bit disappointing in that perspective, that there's a lot of stuff where it's just like, okay, yeah, people have weird-looking tongues, and, and they're licking things, and it's just, yeah. like, abject torture, and uh, here's a character, and every possible bad thing that can happen to them happens to them, and ah, here's a crazy rapist who was a main character for a while, uh, before they got too rapey, and the story had to get rid of them. Uh, it's all stuff that you've seen in a Junji book. <laughs> I assure you. Um, the the upsetting thing to me, though, is the art is very, very good. I feel it's a bit wasted on the story. And I do really like the idea of Junji Ito setting a story in the far future where you have flying cars and weird-looking buildings and everything. It's just, again, a lot of that is just kind of wasted on what the actual story of it is. Uh, the concept is good. I don't know, it just feels like he had a quota that he wanted to fill for the page count, and so he just had to stretch it really thin. So it might have been better off as like a little three part story instead of like six or seven or whatever it is. Okay. That's my review of Romina. Uh oh, Ramina. I also finished. Sure. It's whatever you want it to be. Larry. Yeah, it's Ramina. Well uh, I need I meant to grab this book, so give me a second. I okay. have one other slight book review. It's not much of a review. I just want to read something in the back of it. Alright, great. I'm going to take this opportunity to say I did not know we were going to be having a book review segment this week. I'm not exactly sure why we are, uh, especially considering this whole thing was, this one's not that good, also it's super rapey, and uh, most of it's just torture, but anyway, Remina, check it out. I didn't say to check out Remina. You kind of did. No, don't. Ch- no, you don't need to check it out. It's your number one pick for best book of the year. It's my number one pick for this week because it's the only thing that I read this week. So that's more than I read. I actually know yeah. I read Cat Shit One, uh, Volume One. Not good. How was it? Well, uh, a lot of highly recommended comic books from Larry and I on this episode of so the podcast. That, well, that's one that I was aware of because I thought it was like a satirical book, uh, because it's like it's about Vietnam War. Uh, but with anthropomorphized animals in it. And so it's sort of pun-like where, like, the Americans are represented by rabbits, Usagi, USAGI, I yeah. uh, get it. It's like mouse. Kind of. Uh, and much but like for, mouse, uh, not Vietnam. funny or good. 
I liked Mouse. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not funny, but I thought Mouse was good. That's well, that's the problem. It should have been funnier. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a story. What the fuck? It's set in the Holocaust, Larry. Well, you can get a couple laughs out there. Come on, look at Jerry oh, Lewis. God. He did it. There was a. I think one of the American dogs uh, makes pee pee in Mouse, and at the time, as a child, I thought that was hilarious. You can't put pee in a comic. Come on, guys. So, but in this case, it's kind of just a straight-ahead war comic that just happens to feature the animals in it. Also, a lot of it is just kind of hard to follow. Like the the panels, like the storytelling, it is not good. Um. Yeah, I don't recommend it. Not great. Okay, what was this other book you had? Uh, uh it's a it's called JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh. I remember when we did the little things where we would read like Suda's notes at the end of episodes. Yeah. Well, Araki has notes at the end of these books, and I've not read them for a while because they've not been as good or funny. Uh, but this last one I read I wanted to bring up on the podcast. I think both of them are good, but the second one I think you will find more interesting. None of these um, involve him like fearing he's going to drown when he drinks water? <laughs> no, that was the last good The last good one that we had okay. was him fearing drowning. Uh, this one is a much more relatable thing to me. Uh, it says, whenever I have to draw a location in my manga, such as the interior of a hospital or pharmacy or the grounds of a shrine, I take photographs of a real-world example to use as references. But that kind of photography can be rather nerve-wracking. If I ask an employee for permission to take pictures, they'll ask me all sorts of prying questions back, like, what are you using them for? And do you work for a magazine? And who are you? And then, after all that, they'll usually say something like, the manager isn't here right now, so come back tomorrow. I'm only using the photos for reference, just let me take them, alright? I'll even give you candy. <laughs> Why is a Rocky <laughs> bribing people at a pharmacy with candy? <laughs> just... <laughs> Really like the idea of him. He's got like a whole, like bag full of Werther's originals. Like oh, some sure. of them have fallen out of their wrappers. He's just like going around, just offering them to people. Like, let me take a photograph of your hospital, please. Like that, and those little strawberry candies that slice the roof of your mouth. In time. Yes, the uh, the Hickory Farms ones. I don't know. They're just generic like strawberry candies. So like the idea of a Rocky, he comes to America for a while and he starts taking pictures inside of an airport and he gets arrested. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he doesn't speak the language so good, but he's just got like fistfuls of candy. He's like holding them out to the TSA and they don't know what the fuck to do. Yeah. They think they're bombs uh, or poison. They could be anthrax. Oh no, yeah, they could be anthrax. Uh, the second entry is Albums to Make You Cry. Uh, and yeah. that's why I wanted to bring this up is this has been like a thing on Twitter recently of like, what is a blank that makes you cry every time? And so Rocky's got us covered here. Uh, the Wind by these are my... Oh, we'll see. Okay. Uh, these are my top 10 albums from the 1970s in no particular order. Everyone's tastes are different, but no matter how many times I listen to these, they never fail to bring tears to my eyes. Led Zeppelin, Physical Graffiti. What? Chicago. Yeah, Chicago 7. Okay. Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. Wait, these are what make him cry or just his favorites? Yes. These are what makes him cry. Okay. Uh, Curtis Mayfield's Superfly. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. Uh-huh. Late for the Sky by Jackson Brown. Ugh. Pink Floyd's The Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> All right. 
My favorite one, Sex Pistols. Never mind the bullocks. Here's the Sex Pistols. <laughs> always makes me emotional. Breezen, <laughs> Breezen by George Bronson. And finally, The Carpenters Now and Then. That makes a little bit of sense, I guess. Yeah. Well, maybe Chicago, Last because one. is that the one with... um? Oh... Well, Chicago 7, so that's the one that takes place in Midgar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've only done part one of Chicago 7 remake so far. Yeah, I'm curious what they do. Well, they got the uh, the DLC that's coming out for Chicago 7. That'll be interesting. Anyway, I just... Uh, I finished this recently and just thought it would be fun to bring back Rocky Says, because uh, those were a couple of good entries. So That's all I've read, though. Recently, it's just, it's just that and uh, Ramina. Yeah, red red Mar- red murderer. It's not a word. This isn't even a name. I'm looking at the track list for Chicago Seven, and I have no idea what would make him cry <laughs> on Chicago Seven. I'm more interested about the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack, like what it is off that that yeah. brings tears to his eyes. Yeah, I I thought maybe, you know. Iraqi was way into like Saturday in the Park or something, but I think that's that must be on an early Chicago album. Yeah. I don't know my Chicago discography, so I really couldn't tell you. Yeah. Uh, I have also that was in like Elite Beat Agents. Elite Beat Agents makes me cry every time. Uh because oh, yeah. I just think about how there will never be another Elite Beat Agents and that makes me sad. Didn't they make another one recently? Or they're going to or something? Uh, I'm not sure. That doesn't sound familiar to me. So, probably, and I just forgot about it. Uh, I know they made uh, a second Owindon game after Elite Beats that took a mm. lot of the gameplay improvements from it. Um, but did you know also the guy behind Owindon and Elite Beat Agents? Same dude that made Get a Roo Man? Hey. Uh-huh. One of your favorite games, games of all time. That's right. Yeah, it's pretty much that. And Numbjammer Lammy, both great, both guitar yeah. rhythm. Oh, I games. wouldn't. I wouldn't know. I've still not played Numbjammer Lammy. It's on my list. Uh, I'm worried about it because I did try to go back and play like Parappa the Rapper. Like 35 minutes to play through. Okay. <sighs> yeah. Well, well, so I tried to play Parappa on my uh, Raspberry Pi a few mm. weeks ago. And the emulation is is definitely off on that thing, and the timing is all wrong. Uh, not that I'm good at rhythm games anyway, hmm. but like it's actually impossible to play on that thing. I, well, I so think that's I'm, just because the timing in Parappa is way stricter. Like that. Well, that's like super hard. So I've been told. I'm curious to see how well I'm um, Jimmer Lammy plays on that thing. Maybe I should hop in there, give it a shot, take a I break played, from playing I fucking played Sonic Lammy Adventure. On my Raspberry Pi, and it was fine. Uh, well, well, you're Raspberry Pi. Uh. Well, I'm saying, I don't know if you have I mean, some it might play... setting because you like to surround with your stuff. Yeah, it it might be fine on yours because mine's so bogged down by extemporaneous bullshit. But yeah, I also started uh going back and replaying Episode One Racer, so we'll we'll talk about that in the coming weeks. But ben I completely, I completely forgot that when you go into the shop. One of Wado's lines is, uh, have you seen uh, my chance cube? And I laughed my dick off and had to get up, go tweet a thing out, let the world know that episode one racer is still great. It was always great. Yeah. 
Uh, but uh, that same night, I decided to sit down and watch a movie. Uh, this movie was my prize for winning the uh, sixth annual Betty White Deadpool. It's Clute. Clute. Clute, starring Donald Sutherland and uh, Jane Jane Fonda. Yep. Okay. Why, why is that a question? You just watched it. I, I, had, I just had a moment <laughs> where I thought it was a different actress in the role. Thought it was the lady from Halloween for a second, and I was like, Jamie that's Lee not Curtis. right. Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah. Quick, quick question. Oh, boy. Since yeah. you played it recently, how many characters can you name in Episode 1 Racer? Oh, like none, because I just like did the first tournament as Anakin. Because I remember him kind of just well, being like one. the entry character. <laughs> um, can't come up with any others? Uh, Well, there's, of course, Saboba. Yeah. And Watto. Um, there's a Gruba Grubba. There's who? Gruba Grubba. That no, I don't think so. Uh, Max Sweeto. I just told you one. I just said it. Well, I wasn't listening. <laughs> I even did my <laughs> Greg Proops impression. Then Quadrineros. Oh right, Ben Quadrineros. I can't remember the name of the character that Greg Greg Proops. Plays. I don't know. He's he has a like name. A they all. Answer, it, but yeah, they I'm all have sure names. Does have a name? Yeah. Uh, one of the racers is, of course, uh, the lady who was like working that shop that like Jar Jar Binks fucked up, and then she led like a worker revolution. What was yeah. that character's name? I don't remember the one that made that had the gorgs. Yeah, I just wanted to bring her up because that whole thing is completely insane to me. Yeah. There's a whole side story involving her where, like, Jar Jar Binks fucking her shop up, like, caused some major life event to happen, and then she started caring about workers' rights and, like, led a revolt on Tatooine, and... Man. Yeah, because she was making gorg sauce. They're gorgs. They're not frogs. They're gorgs. You can't just have frogs. Uh, Darth Vader is a character in uh, Episode 1 Racer. Darth Who? Vader. No, Darth Vader. Not. Darth Vader. Is uh yeah well I mean like Anakin becomes Darth Vader so technically Doesn't Darth Vader is in the game. No, it does. No, it means Anakin is in the game. <laughs> Luke Skywalker is in the game. All right, what is Luke Skywalker else? is Anakin's son, so want... he's a part of him the whole time. I wanted to talk about Clute. I wanted to just talk about Clute and not name Star Wars characters because I don't know the names of most Star Wars characters in the fucking prequel movies. Well, you just or the games about the prequel I was movies. Say they aren't even in the movie, I don't think. I I actually I bet you all of them are in the movie that they they just have the designs for and like I bet George Lucas came up with a name for each of them too. I think Ben Quinn like, probably is all in the movie, but I think a lot of them probably are not. I bet every single one of those fuckers because is in the movie. I have seen that like you you puppet. as an audience don't see them, but like those puppets were designed, they got character designs, they got names. I bet all that material is there, and they gave that over to the developers when yeah, they were making the game. I'm I saying bet like you. I have seen like a puppet form of Ben Quadraneros and I think Odie Mandrell, which are the only two that I yeah. can remember. Um, other than that, well, I don't know that any of the rest of them are. Well, there's that is one of them that dies in the movie, right? Doesn't one of them like spin out and they have a shot where he's like screaming? Uh, maybe. Hi, welcome to the podcast where Larry and I try to remember the pod racing scene from Star Wars <laughs> Episode One. Yeah. 
I remember Jar Jar, he gets electrocuted and then he talks funny for a yeah, little he, while. He like funnier than normal. Between the yeah. pod race yeah, and the he, pods. And he steps he steps in Dookie. And everybody laughs. Yes. Except for the audience. Bantha Poodoo. Yeah. And Jabba the Hutt is there. And then Boba Fett shows up and he looks right at the camera. And he is obviously green screened into the scene. Oh wait, that's a different one. Yeah. Uh I watched <laughs> I went back actually and rewatched that scene recently because I just like, I don't know what prompted it, but I just thought about like, oh right, there's that really shitty like job of the hut scene they put back into A New Hope, <laughs> and <laughs> I googled Star Wars Episode One racer characters. There's a list on Giant Bomb. There is one called Bazi Baranta. <laughs> Not that far off from and, the fake name that I came up with, the, honestly. The best part is the description, which is Buzzy Baranta is a dib doob pod racer pilot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing that's the race he is, but at first Wait a I minute. Read, Wait, first no, I no, no, hold on. Being like a descriptor of him. What? Are you telling me that I went back in time and I wrote the names and backgrounds of all the characters in episode one racer? Is that what you're telling me, Larry? Possible. One guy's Clegg Holdfast. Well, what wait, happens to me in the Vader, future that this? sends me? He is. Apparently, he's listed. Here. I was right. Yes. Oh, I forgot about Dud Bolt. Vindication for George. Darth Vader is in the game. How do I get Darth Vader? I don't know. This is just oh, a list man. of the characters. That the... Oh right, Gaston. I gotta look this up later. I need to figure out how to unlock Vader. I guess that's like pretty much the like the end point for me for that game. Like I always, of course, commit to doing a really stupid thing in all these fucking video games. That's Tyrell. Mm. One sandage. All right. Wait. Oh, maybe they just put um, Darth Vader in here because Anakin's in it. That's probably why. Yeah, oh, so whoever, whoever wrote this was operating on the same logic that I was. Okay. Well, I wonder if maybe Anakin does not have his own like character page on Giant Bomb, and so maybe they had to go with the oh, Darth Vader one for yeah. here for credits. I don't know. That makes sense. Yeah. Clute. What about it? Clute. Uh, Clute is in Episode One Racer. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, I thought that Clute was going to be like a, uh, I don't know, some sort of version of Clue because it has like a similar font treatment. And I thought that Clute was like a foreign word that actually meant Clue and not the name of Donald Sutherland's character. So already I was very disappointed. Um, although I do like that by the end of this movie, Clute is basically living out everyone's dream of banging the 70s Jane Fonda and watching their boss throw themselves out a window. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Weird, weird thing about it is, like at the beginning, he is in a police uniform, and then later it's like, no, I'm not yeah. police. I'm just a private investigator. I just work, that, work at the company. That kind of threw me off. I for a there, moment I thought that there was some sort of time skip, and I got fucked up. There, are, well, there is, but there are things in this movie that kind of reminded me of a Seijin Suzuki movie, and the editing specifically. I like mm. that bit where it's just them at the party and then it just sort of cuts forward where the guy's been missing for months. Yeah. Or um there are bits well, of I mean, where more you like... see him like going into a building and then it just cuts into a completely different building. 
Yeah. Well, what I mean is, I don't. Did they have like any kind of line of dialogue where they were just like, he was formerly a police officer, and then he nope. now he's over in this like PI firm. Nope. Okay. Because I didn't, I didn't think that there was, and that's what threw me off about it. I know that there's a time skip, but there's not a time skip that also explains why he's a police officer for one scene and now he's a PI in another. No, I, I think it's. Um, I have no idea what the deal with that was. Me either. It, <laughs> Maybe it's just a scene that they had held over for when the movie had a different... I don't know. Maybe there's a scene know. missing there that explains it. I have no idea. Um, this is a part, though, of the uh, Paranoia trilogy, of which I have seen all President's Men, um, but I have not seen the middle one. I'm, I'm blanking on the name of it. Oh, well, uh, I know it wasn't... View? Parallax View. Thank you. That's good. Uh, I know that at the time, people did not like it, but apparently it's... it's uh, kind of become like a one of those movies where people revisited it and have gone like actually this is great this or parallax uh, view a uh, parallax view oh okay i think the I reception say... to clute was mostly positive at the time i would say like this is the worst of the three actually really okay yeah because i know that like jane fonda won in uh an oscar for this didn't she probably I know her performance is like people hold this up as being one of the best performances in movies is Jane Fonda. She's really good uh, in this. So she yeah, is, she's great. Yeah. She uh, Donnie she's yes, a character. kind of just stares most of the time and looks weird. I mean that's yeah, sure he's playing a Donald Sutherland character. Yeah. Stands I mean, around just looks like, like Donald Sutherland. You no, know, it's smooth Donald, which is kind of weird because this wasn't too yeah. long before like invasion of the body snatchers i don't think um yeah he's yeah, in he, he just uh, those looks real smooth he's in those fucking hunger games movies and he's too know. good for that yeah Ugh. yeah he is yeah i know larry all right remember when i had a free ticket to go see one of those and i decided like yeah sure fuck it i'll, I'll watch the first no, hunger games remember. and just see what this is this is back when I worked at the movie theater, so I was able to see a lot of crap for free and uh, saw Donald Sutherland pop up and was like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> Come on, Donnie. Uh, yeah, you're better than this, man. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is in those movies, too. <laughs> okay. Speaking of actors that are, worse. <laughs> that are too good for being in Hunger Games. Maybe I'm lying about that. Who knows? I could tell you that anyone's in these movies and you would believe me. It's true. Um yeah. yeah, like if Philip Seymour Hoffman is in it, that's way more depressing, especially considering that he died like way too early. Yeah. I'm thinking like I, maybe one of the last movies he was in was the Hunger Games. I might be wrong about that. I might need to look that up. Because if he was, I think he's only in like one of them and not all of them. Okay. Uh, I don't I don't remember. I have not committed much of the Hunger Games to memory outside of seeing that first movie, uh, which is entirely shot in shaky cam and is nauseating to watch. Um, outside of the fact that the plot is very dumb and I, I don't like the writing and I think that everyone kind of phoned it in on the acting, like the, the camera work is truly terrible. Uh, camera work in Clute, though, very good. There's a lot of arresting shots in Clute. I like it a whole lot, that bit where they go into the elevator. Uh-huh. And, like, to go see her pimp, like, the texture on that elevator makes for a really cool shot. And then later on, you have that one where it's the older elevator where you have to, like, crank it to make it go up. Uh-huh. And it's just, like, shrouded in blackness all around it, and it's just, like, slowly inching towards the viewer. 
There's a lot of really good photography in Clute. Also, surprise, Roy Scheider. I was not. Yeah, expecting. surprise. Sylvester Stallone is in this movie. Hey, really? Where? Yes, he is a club patron. He oh. is uncredited. This is like one of the first things that he was in, if not actually the first thing. Huh. I'll have to go yeah. back and look for that because no, I didn't I, notice him. I didn't notice him at the time. I only found that out when I was kind of looking up some information about the movie on Wikipedia. And like it was just like Sylvester Stallone is like listed in there. Equivalent of um, Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Long Goodbye, except there he was like an actual like henchman character. Yeah. But... Yeah. Yeah, he's just he's there for a second. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um like I was telling you though, I think it's funny that this is a mystery movie where they just show you the guy who did it and then pretend oh, they like, never did it. Yeah, it's super obvious he did it cuz like every scene he's in he's just like, "All right, so spoilers for Clute, the, the guy who did it is Clute's boss at yeah. the uh, private investigations firm." Uh, which is so improbable and weird that it got me to doubt it a couple of times. Because I was just like, they can't be like this obvious about it, right? It can't be Clute's boss, yeah. right? But then he's got like all these tapes of the women that he killed. And, you know, they're talking about like sex freak stuff. And he's just kind of leaning back looking like he's getting off on it. And it's just very obvious villain shit that he's doing. Yeah. Like he'll, he'll shake the main character's hand, and he's like, "Okay, to, you know, put up my wall art of the moon landing, and stare out this window like a creep, and listen to my fucking tapes." Well, to to clarify, the plot is that this guy, his uh, partner, was a partner or just another guy that worked at this was an energy company or something like that. I'm trying to remember. He just goes missing, and so like presumed yeah. dead, and they want to find out what happened to him. Hires Clute, yeah. John Clute. Private investigator, go find out what happened to it. Um, because yeah. he's uh, this this guy has written letters to a uh, prostitute in New York, and the letters are some real sicko shit. Yeah, uh, which at first they don't tell you exactly what it is. They're just like, dude wrote some letters, and like they're bad. Uh, but you find out later that it's letters that are fantasizing about extremely violent acts towards women. And that this guy, uh, whether or not it's the guy that Clute is looking for, uh, spent a night with Jane Fonda's character where he beat her up. Yeah. And so it seems that this isn't just like a typical, like, I have a fantasy where I'm really rough during sex. It's this guy probably will hurt and kill someone. That is what he wants to do. He also did the same thing to uh, another girl that she knew. A couple of girls. Yeah. Yeah. But there's um, the one in particular he goes to to try to find like who it is and get info yeah. from. Which I, it is funny that part where they want him to leave because he's looks like a cop and they're waiting for their drugs to get there. And guy shows up and immediately bolts when he sees Donald Sutherland, <laughs> which I probably <laughs> yeah. would do. Sure, this man is entirely too tall. Yeah. <laughs> then I run away. <laughs> he looks like a shorter man that someone grabbed like his head and stretched him upwards. Not a fan. <laughs> Oh shit, is that fucking Lurch? <laughs> Damn, dude. <laughs> Loved you in the Adams family. Um yeah, there's there's a couple of women. Uh one of them they make a point that she had committed suicide, which is very important. Uh and she was the one who kind of passed this guy off on Jane Fonda's character. Um and then the other one is uh strung out all the time, she's on drugs. So 
it wasn't a suicide the first girl he got to her and killed her because later on the one who's addicted to drugs also shows up dead Which and is, they write that off as like a suicide too and that's or like another an part or that kind of reminded me of like suzuki because you don't really get a good shot of her either like when yeah. they fish her up and so it's kind of just left to imply that was her yeah um, well the, her her boyfriend is there well yeah that's yeah. like the connective tissue there because yeah they don't like right away they don't get a really good shot of her face or anything like it that. it doesn't even like nobody really mentions it for a while it's kind of the thing yeah um, yeah she's she's off screen for a bit so like even by that point if they showed her face like i probably would have forgotten yeah. what she looks like she's only in that one scene but the main thing i was talking about is the bit where clued is at Bree's apartment and like uh hears someone on the roof and goes after him just see the guy he's just like crouching behind some pipes or something and then that's like 30 minutes into the movie and it still acts like it's a mystery from then on it's weird he he had him dead to rights and then he heard those drug addicts upstairs those (laughs) teens having a good time yeah and he called off the hunt but but yeah like it it is weird how i would say like my favorite thing about the movie is the score uh, in particular, oh, yeah, like the yeah. vocals and stuff, especially during that scene and like near the end when it's uh, from his POV and the like dress shop or whatever it is. Um, yeah, he's just hiding great. behind like that like see-through protective cover for like an idiot. for a suit, <laughs> just standing there. Stupid. Uh, I mean, he's not super smart. He could have got rid of Jane Fonda's character, but he has spent all that time playing his fucking tapes yeah oh god um there is a whole like kind of subplot here about how brie wants to be an actress but she continually fails at it and i really like those bits because you talk about how good jane fonda's performance in this is when she does those jane fonda has to act as the character brie yeah who is bad at acting yeah (laughs) and so there's a bit where she's doing like a scottish accent as fucking terrible is intentionally like, terrible interesting accent yeah it's such a great just a little scene it, like it has really nothing to do with the the grander plot of clute other than like clute is there and he has sensibly had left her by that point but like I, it's just a really good character moment of her like because her trajectory through this film is she wants to be an actress. It's not working out. So she does the call girl thing because it makes her money and it is a outlet for her to act. But then she's also worried about kind of following that path as deep down as some of the women she knows who end up becoming like drug addicts and they die. And then at one point she starts to push in that direction and has to get like sobered up. So it's like later in the movie where she does the Scottish thing. And I just like that. She's still trying to change gears and follow her dream, but she still sucks at it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, all the Jane Fonda stuff is really good. I like the bits with her and her therapist, uh, specifically where she's kind of talking about like the impact that Clute is having on her life and how like she knows that she has got this good thing going on, but she has this urge to manipulate him, if only because it is part of her like self-destructive personality. It's not yeah. to hurt him necessarily. It is to hurt herself by hurting him. That stuff's great. I like the last shot of that movie too, of her moving out of the apartment. Mm-hmm. And and the phone still being I don't know why you would leave that plugged into the wall, but like okay. Maybe it came with it. Maybe that's part of the apartment furnishing. I don't know. Yeah maybe. Yeah. Like she's got a she's got a kitty cat inside a crate. 
I don't remember her having a cat in that movie up to that point, so I'm assuming <laughs> yeah. that she just bought it. Maybe. I, I like the the other subplot of Clue to having like recorded a bunch of her conversations and then like promising if she helps him out, he will give her the tapes. And she just throws these reels of tape into like a public garbage can and it's just a bunch of like sex phone calls. Like anyone could just grab those. Yeah. If I walked by and I just saw like a tape sitting in the trash and looked totally fine, I'd probably pick it up and just see what's on it. Yeah, sure. If I saw like, you know, a donut on top of the trash. And a clear? <laughs> and a clear, yeah. It's fine. I mean, it's on it was, top of the refuse, yeah, so it's if it not was refuse. On a doily, sure. Yeah. There was that time that there was an open box of pizza on the top of the trash at work, and there was a perfectly preserved slice of pizza, and I ate it. <laughs> it wasn't touching any of the garbage. It was fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can't see I've ever eaten trash pizza. Uh, it's just as good as like cold pizza from the fridge in the morning. Just to say it's not very good. Okay. I don't know why people eat cold pizza. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's just as baffling to me as somebody docking their switch. I just don't get it. <laughs> and uh, Clued is very good. There, There's a fuck up with my disc. Uh, it's a defect, I'm pretty sure, which is the first time I've ever actually come across like a quality control issue with Criterion. Yeah. Uh, but there is a scene that I can't get through. It just freezes um, where he's meeting with his boss and it's towards the end of the movie. And I'm not sure what happens there. I don't know if that's where he... He, he figures it out before that because they compare the writing. And they're just yes. like... That, These I... letters that were sent out, like he has a typographical error that he constantly makes where he types the as H-T-E. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think... I don't actually know what the purpose of that scene was either. He he goes to him and he like he tries to tell him that he needs money to buy Bree's like address book or something like that. I think it's oh, to try to bait to him find into out going all the old somewhere. clients. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. If he's like trying to put his boss on edge by making him think that like, hey, I got the name of all the clients so I can whittle this down. Yeah. If his boss's name is in the black book. And his boss would be forced to act. Yes, I think that's what he's trying to do is like, yeah, trying to draw him out. Because, yeah, at that point he knows okay. it's him because he did that. Uh... Well, well, that seems like kind of important It's both the typing scene. and the handwriting thing, right? Yes, because the typing is what makes him initially go like, oh, it's my boss. They both had the same typographical error. Yeah. Um, Which must mean he, like, suspected his boss up to that point. But yeah. Which, like, I, I think the movie makes a point of that, too, uh, a bit later on, because when when Bree is being confronted by his boss, uh, the character's name is Cable. Uh, he's played by jo Josh Brolin. It's yeah, a, he's from it's the future. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he's just like, does Clute know it's me? What does Clute know? I need to know. And so, also, like, I, I think that Clute he's been suspected for a while. Clute notably does not tell him everything that's happening. Yes, like he's pretty vague about everything and will withhold information from him when he does meet yeah. him. So now Clute's a good detective. Uh, but yeah, like, so one of the things that threw me off about this too, um, when I was going up and looking information about Clute, and I saw that like, oh, this is the first part in a, a trilogy of movies. Uh, and I'm not like super familiar with the director's work. I know Sophie's Choice. I know all the President's Men. Um, I know that the Goomba. last thing that he ever made is like, not well received and it stars uh brad 
Brad Pitt and Harrison Ford, I'm pretty sure. Can't remember the name of it. Okay. But I know people did not like it, and then he died in that car crash, and so that's the last thing that he ever did. Yeah, I, I don't really know much of this stuff, like, past Sophie's Choice. I think that's kind of the last thing that most people know from him. Um, yeah. Although, well, yeah. no, he did uh, the Pelican Brief, which is, like, kind of a return to form. Like, that's more like Parallax mm. View. But after that, I think that's kind of it. That's sort of the thing is not being super familiar with his filmography. I thought that the character Clute would then show up for like another two movies, and that's not the case. The only thing that no. connects the paranoia trilogy together is just a a certain sort of feel and a style of storytelling, because uh, it does end in All the President's Men, which I did not. I wasn't aware that that was considered part of any larger thing. Well, I mean, it, uh, it's like the Vengeance trilogy from Park Chan Wook. It's like a yeah. stylist. It's a thematic. Trilogy. It's yes. Devil's yeah. Own. I don't know that I've ever heard of this movie, but yeah, that mm. Harrison Ford, Brad Pitt, Ruben Blades. Okay. Oh, Treat Williams is in it, and you know, anytime Treat Williams is in a movie, <laughs> that's a treat <laughs> for the viewer. I want to say that, like, one of the thing about it is that it's supposed to take place in like. Scotland or something like that and it's just not like a very good representation of the culture there or something I don't know I kind of like just glazed over the page it says Belfast that so it'd be Ireland okay I really would love it if that actually is like an in-universe movie and it was the thing that Brie was trying to star in and that's why it's so bad <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't find anyone to do accents good enough um no, I've I've seen all the presidents men. I've now seen Clues. So the Parallax View is the only one I haven't seen, and so I think I need to go hunt that down. I still really would like to get all the presidents men on disc because that's a very good movie. Um, I watched it on like Amazon Prime a few years ago. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, Parallax is great. View is out on Criterion also now. And by yeah, the way, the thing that. the thing with your disc, I would just like email them. Um, yeah, and they might be able to just send you a replacement. It might be something. With all of them, I don't know. I know my clue disc doesn't work, but hear me out. Send me the parallax view instead. <laughs> I, um, there was an issue with I think Dress to Kill where they had to put out new discs, mm. and there have been a couple of situations like that. But again, I don't know if this gotta, is a widespread thing or not. I haven't looked into it. You gotta send Criterion an email so they can send you out the correct disc of Akira. Uh, get your proof right. of purchase over here. Make sure it has HDR enabled on it. <laughs> I was so interested in getting that and then finding out that the HDR is all fucked up and you gotta go through this bullshit process to get the right disc. And I was I mean, like, I well... Had, I had to email Shout Factory to get a replacement disc for the Army of Darkness Blu-ray that they had. Yeah, shout, shout, let it all out. Yep. And I was actually surprised by that because they still had replacement discs. As when I emailed them, I was not aware of the issue with it until a long time after it came out. Uh, but they still had them and sent it out to me, so that was cool. My my favorite widespread disc error, and I, we talked about this long, long ago, but that like Evangelion set in Australia where just it will glitch out in the special features and show a brief like segment of some sort of documentary about a Japanese porn actress. Yeah. Cause they just like printed over the discs that had that full documentary. Good. Uh, this is just my segue into saying 
a, a, a mutual that we both follow on Twitter, uh, Brandon, whose handle is that, that one guy, something I can't remember the number at the 64. end. 64. 64. Uh, he has been going through and watching Evangelion for the first time. Ugh. And I think that, like, <laughs> I know how you feel about Evangelion, and it's the way that I think most people I know feel about it. But one of my favorite things is just watching people experience that anime for the first time. Because either they hate it or they become completely entranced by it. And in Brandon's case, he's entranced. Pretty much everyone I know uh, on Twitter like loves Evangelion, and I don't understand it. Evangelion is... Uh, Evangelion has a bit of a WandaVision thing for me where most of it, I think, is incredibly boring. And then there's like this very brief period... Sure, but like the way that people are talking about it is very consistent. At least in one of two camps, they're both very consistent in their in their own ways, though. But like the thing I've heard very often about Wandavision is that it's very boring around like the, the beginning and end of that thing suck, and then like the middle is the good bit. Yeah, but it's altogether very so boring. Are these people you've heard me? I've I've heard other people on Twitter talk about it okay. in that way. Um, it's either that or people end up saying that it is one of the greatest works of fiction ever made and that Martin Scorsese <laughs> should throw himself into traffic. Do you want me to talk about WandaVision then? Because I haven't, like, I since those first couple episodes came out. I kind of do. I'm, also, I'm working in that direction too. Like, I but I just, I wanted to. games either. I've just been playing Titanfall 2 for the past week. Um, oh, Titanfall 2 is a great game. Yeah, not as good as the first, but, you know, what are you going to do? No. Nobody's going to be playing that. No. Um, no, I, I did want to say though with with Evangelion, I'm excited now because he's hit episode 18, and that's the point where they start giving like all the major revelations, and I'm just, I I can't wait to see him get to the tank full of rays. Okay, ray sure. tank is the best part <laughs> of that series. It's so fucking bizarre. Whatever you say, I never got there. The last, the last bit he got to was uh, the bit where like Gendo takes over the Ava and has Shinji almost kill his friend. And so I'm also excited about him starting up the next episode and Shinji is just kicking that pyramid, yelling at his dad. Evangelion oh, gets really good towards the end. Yes, the movies are also... I hope he watches the Rebuild stuff, because Rebuild stuff is very good. When's 4, like... Isn't 4... Don't they have a date for 4 now? No one really knows. Great. <laughs> it's always what you like to hear about the release date of a movie. I I think it's actually known, but man, it's been so long since that third one came out. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of been the case. Like, I think the first two came out like within a respectable time frame, and then it was like fucking forever until that third one came out. Yeah, it it's was. Been a similar length of time now between three and four. Well, um, one came out in. Late two thousand nine. Oh God! Um, yeah, rebuild for the rebuild, man. Or wait, oh, okay. I was looking at North American dates. It was about two years between one and two, mm. and then. Okay, so I guess that was just an issue with the U.S. release because between two and three it was about three years in Japan, but it was five years oh. here. Oh, weird. Yeah, um, I thought it. I thought it came out here pretty close in proximity to the Japanese release. I didn't know that. Nope, so. came out in November 2012 in Japan and February 2016 mm. here. Uh, and then yeah, oh, 
Huh. The fourth one came out yesterday in Japan. <laughs> so. All right, it'll just be another like two years before it comes out here. Yeah. Great. It's also, I'd... it's 155 minutes. I wonder if they end up going with like the original voice cast or if they then bring in the new people that they got. Like I thought the new people was just like strictly a Netflix thing, but I kind of don't know. Cuz that would be weirder to me because like the the first 3 rebuild movies have the original voice cast. So if you then replace them for the last one that would be super jarring. Sure, I guess so. I I wonder. Well, like, I wonder what they this do with came that. out yesterday, and there are no reviews for it. <laughs> Everyone's going back and rewatching WandaVision. They don't have time for Evangelion. Guess <laughs> so. Um, but but no, like I, Evangelion is a series that is very tedious to get through up until around the point that Brandon is now at, and I'm very excited because most people I know who I recommend Evangelion to, or who just kind of pop up saying, "Hey, I'm starting this show." usually don't make it that far they bounce off of it like eight or ten episodes in because all it is is fucking crickets chirping oh but i did that's what you did and i really wish that you would go back and give it a shot because like i i totally understand it's a tough slog to get through up to that point but when evangelion starts popping off at the end there it's really really good it's completely fascinating and utterly weird it's nonsense it is definitely somebody who is trying to work through grief through their story that they're telling. They should make uh, uh, and... a watch list like they do for Star Trek. Say, like, these are the episodes you need to watch. These are the ones you can skip. This is a it's just Dr. 18 Crusher through 26. Episode. Yeah, everything before that's a Dr. Crusher episode. Yeah, this one's all about um, Wesley. I, where I was kind of going with this, though, was suggesting, because you, do you, did you sell them or do you still have, like, the DVDs? Sold them. Those things go for okay. a lot of money. Yes, they do. And I was never going to watch them again, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, I was going to suggest it to you, even though I kind of suspect the answer would be no, of doing a rewatch of Evangelion nope. and, and kind of talking about them. Absolutely Curses not. and rats. I really wanted to do that. I have things I want to watch instead. Yeah. Why would I spend well, I would... time on something that I did not like the first time? Well, we'll at least do police knots, which is significantly longer than not Evangelion. Longer, not police knots. I'm sorry. <laughs> Different cop anime. They 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 occupy like a similar space in my mind because they both kind of come from that same era. Yeah, the thing and is, and they're the... both about future cops. So future cop LAPD. It's an adaptation yeah. of the PlayStation One game. Yeah, Pat Labor looks cool though. Is the thing. Yes, and it looks like it has a higher budget than even Gillian did, despite coming out but, like uh, ten years earlier. Uh, but it also doesn't have a giant robot eating another giant robot, and that giant robot's the main character's mom. No, but it has a giant robot with a giant pump-action shotgun for some reason. That's true. I don't think Avon Gillian Unit 1 ever used a pump-action shotgun for no, some reason. it's just got those regular like beam rifles or whatever they are. I'm pretty sure Brandon doesn't listen to this podcast, I but I sure hope that he doesn't knife. because I don't want to have inadvertently spoiled things for him. I don't think anybody listens to this. Yeah, probably we're, we're probably safe. Um, but yeah, I've been following that thread. It's been a very fascinating thread to me. Uh, finally, someone, someone who I'm aware of and can talk to has gotten far enough into Evangelion to hit the shit that I've always wanted to see people discover for the first time. So I'm very excited about that. 
Um, okay, well, and speaking of tracking of the Twitter thread, did you want to ask welcome. me about WandaVision? Talk to me about WandaVision. What I hear it know? is one of the greatest series of all time. It's nope. about loss and dealing with loss. Yeah, I mean, she goes to the counter at the place. She talks to a guy. She goes, <laughs> there's Vision on a table. It is, yeah, you're right. It's loss. Oh, Vision had a miscarriage? Oh, it's so sad. Kind of. Um, no, I've, I've, uh, I've heard only very good things about it and that anyone who ever said that Marvel movies were not like, uh, actual cinema or something will regret their words and deeds. How does that check out? You've seen it. I've not. It's bad. What? It's boring. But a significant portion of Twitter says it's so good. You know, here's an issue I have with it. People are mad about like, um. Well, those saying like, how could people have come up with these crazy fan theories about what might actually be in it? And the issue there is that, for one thing, every fan theory is far more interesting than anything that actually happened in it because it's this extremely basic plot with kind of nothing going on in it. Uh, second, they seem to be intentionally teasing those things, so it's not like you can blame the people for extrapolating that from it. If you've so, if you've got like a ma- like a series about magic. And someone keeps saying, like, this place is charming as hell and calling these kids Hellspawn and all this stuff. Of course people are going to think it's Mephisto. Like, duh. Yeah. What else would it be? Yeah. It's like if you have a guy in a beekeeper uniform, of course people are going to think it's related to AIM. It, that's like an extreme lack of awareness on the showrunner's part that they would put that stuff in there and then not expect so none, people to put those together. None of that ties in in, in any significant nope. way. It's basically just them doing like cute little Easter eggs winking at the camera. Not even that. I don't think they even like considered that. I think it's just like a coincidence that somehow nobody involved with it had thought that so people might think they design a, a beekeeper uniform and then someone is just like, oh, just like AIM. And they're like, what the fuck is AIM? Basically. Okay. Because it's just a coincidence. It's just like a guy was going in in a hazmat uniform and then it sort of like turned into a beekeeper one for some reason when he entered the hex and that's why it, that that was it it's just like explained oh. in a really offhand manner also but they finally called her scarlet witch that's true that's good i like that they, they do did that. it um also monica rambo gets her powers by just like going in and out from the force field a couple of times, which you would think they would look like these military guys that are focused on weaponizing vision. You'd think they would look at that and go like, hey, you, I'm going to kick you through this force field a few times, see what happens. Yeah, no, if that worked, I'd just be running back and forth constantly yeah. until something happened. Either I get a superpower or I get cancer. Yeah, well, I mean, it's possible it might kill you because it seemed like it was not a pleasant experience going through it. But either way, uh, take that chance. Yeah, like they're. I came out the other end and there. I suffered a bit. Yeah, if I if I went through some horrible, excruciating pain, but uh, now I can fly. Yeah, she can. I also do like, it. I'm not sure what her powers are in this version exactly, um, but she can like turn intangible, like bullets can go through her, and she can like I guess see stuff in a weird way. They don't really go into detail on it. Also, here's an issue I have with it. If you're doing a series of like, I think it's nine episodes total. Maybe it was eight. I don't remember. Okay. Would you start putting 
post credit sequences in in like episode seven. Uh, yeah. Like if I hated my audience and I thought very little <laughs> yeah. of them, like yeah, yeah, I'd probably do that. Sure, especially if they were like uh, important scenes. Oh, d- like yeah, no. If I decided to be just a real sicko dick then I would probably start just putting the most important stuff like at the end of like an extremely long credit sequence. Yeah. And then I would introduce it like halfway through. Yes. Yeah. All right. So yeah, the, the credit sequence is really long. And uh, the first time I watched that all the way through and it's like, okay, now here's the credits again in like three different languages. And that was it. I never bothered to watch the credits again until the last episode when it had stuff in the recap that I had never seen before. It was like, okay, I guess they had started doing post credit scenes in the last couple of episodes that included Monica being captured and also the reveal of White Vision, which I had seen a picture of White Vision. I thought was like a leak thing, kind of like what happened today with uh, Justice League. But yeah, um, no, that was just like after the credits last time. So yeah, like issues the... of West Coast Avengers 45 have gone up in price because it was the first appearance of White Vision <laughs> even though they're probably not going to do anything with that character again. Time to sell. Uh yeah, the the reception that I've basically gotten from this thing just kind of like my, my outlet for WandaVision has just been seeing people react to it on Twitter similar to the Evangelion shit because a lot of people I follow tweet about stuff relating to WandaVision. And it kind of seems everyone falls into one of two camps. And the, the negative side of the camp is that it's very boring. There's only a couple good episodes. And for a series that tried to take itself so seriously, it just ends with pew-pew lasers at the end of it. That's uh, true. And that the resolution makes Wanda out to be perhaps the greatest asshole who ever existed in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and everyone's cool with it. I mean, And then true. the other side... The other side, the positive side, is it is some of the best storytelling in Marvel. The storytelling is so good that it it puts like well-established filmmakers to shame, and that it is beyond reproach, and that it made people cry and feel emotions. And I kind of get the sense that that side, the positive side, cares too much about this shit. It makes me just think they don't watch other TV shows. Really, that they only consume Marvel stuff exclusively is, is the sense that I got from that. They they might dip their toes into into some of the like Justice League shit. They're probably the same people who are excited for the Snyder Cut. Get honestly. these people to watch The Sopranos. That's the thing. That's why you gotta do. Get them to watch The Wire. And uh, they would just be like, "It's just crickets chirping the entire." Time. I'm not watching this. <laughs> Fuck. Just Tony Soprano out in the pool feeding ducks and occasionally saying "Gabagool." <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to work Gabagool out of my vocabulary for the last 20 months Larry. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry to hear that <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Yeah, So Alright the, the breakdown for WandaVision As I watched it was First three episodes Are just straight sitcom stuff With like a little bit of plot in there Really boring not funny Episode- No because they're exclusively Like they're they're covering Sitcoms from a very bygone era, like the 1950s and and what have you, where sitcoms were already extremely unwatchable. Yeah, and they're just um, playing it straight. That's that's what I understood of it. Again, right. 
I've not because seen I think that. the I only time sure. I recapped the show was after those first like three episodes or two or whatever it was had come out. I think it was two. Yeah. Um, but so then episode four, I think it is, is just like all info dump. Like that's when it goes back to the real world, and that's when it explains like here's what the deal with the beekeeper guy was. Here's what the deal was with the uh the helicopter she found in the bush. All of that stuff. Which by the way, that was just a drone they sent in. Like that's again the thing is like. Most of the stuff I predicted at the beginning was true Like it is House of M It was Agatha Harkness um, It's just that the other things Where I thought they might go a little bit more abstract With it Like as a like things appearing As manifestations of her guilt Or something like that None of that was true It was just oh it was a drone they sent in Turned into a little helicopter The end And that sucks Yeah So that was the info dump episode And then after that The next couple of episodes are really good Because they start blending the sitcom stuff With the plot stuff Which okay. sounds to me like what they should have just done The entire yes! time Yes, exactly. Like I, I can, I kind of get like Maybe you play the very first episode Straight as a sitcom sure. And maybe at the, at the very end of it You got someone behind like a computer And they're going like huh this is weird yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, yeah, if but you want to do that for a little bit? That's fine. Um, yeah, but but as you describe it, it 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 drags it on, and then it also drags on by basing it off of sitcoms from eras that sitcoms just have never quite held up, and and it plays those extremely straight. Right. Well, also those good episodes are they're sort of eighties, and it's weird because they skip the nineties, and I'm not really sure but why. That's, and that's fucked up. Yeah, it is. There's so many good sitcoms from the 90s. It's probably like the golden age of sitcoms. I know. But they have like an 80s, like a Family Ties type one, and then it just goes to Malcolm in the Middle style. Uh, which is also good because I like Malcolm in the Middle a lot. Yeah, sure. Um, but then, like, so, and those are where they start blending the sitcom stuff together. Like, you get glimpses of the, like, what's going on behind the scenes, and it's cutting between them, and that stuff is good. Then it completely abandons the sitcom stuff It's like here's a flashback episode You're gonna see all the flashbacks This is Wanda's history as a kid Also something I really don't like about that Is they specifically show the DVDs of the shows that were being referenced Which I don't think they should do Like it's just straight up Here's a DVD box set of Malcolm in the Middle And here are clips from the Dick Van Dyke show So Wanda saw these as a kid And that's why she's imprinting this yeah, well, that's what I assumed was the case anyway. Like, I, I actually thought it was going to be, like, that's where she learned English, was from watching old sitcoms. Oh. Instead, it's like her dad was selling them, and they were watching them while their house got bombed. <laughs> and so, <laughs> like, that, that's, I guess, why this is happening. Just There's just a bunch of, like, sounds of bombs dropping and, like, bulkies in the background. Yes. No, like literally, That's great. it shows them watching Dick Van Dyke show and laughing as he like trips over the ottoman, and the mom is just like looking out the window and seeing a civil war happening in uh, <laughs> Sokovia, I think it is, or the fake city, yeah. is. fake country. I mean, uh, I don't know. That like, sounds legitimately great to me. It, it's it's all right, but then it like has to play it for pathos and. Uh, so it's oh. like it's it's a Christmas Carol type thing where Agatha is showing her these things and being like so much trauma, which I thought was funny. Uh, apparently, a lot of people had issue with that, even though like that's the right way to respond to that. Yeah, 
Um, uh, I had to check here, by the way, just to make sure that Malcolm in the Middle did not actually like start at the very tail end of the 90s and then nope. work into the, into the 2000s. Because I thought for a moment, maybe it actually is. like That's technically the 90, 90s one that they're doing. Uh, January 9th, 2000 is when Malcolm in the Middle started. Yep. So at the at the precise start of the early aughts. I mean, Malcolm in the Middle doesn't really get enough credit for how much it pioneered like the single camera sitcom, really. Like, yeah, that Malcolm was before in the Middle the was great. Uh, yeah. yeah, I liked it a lot. Never it is, I maintain it. it is a shame that Frankie Munoz cannot remember doing any of Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. It's incredibly depressing. Yeah, well, he like races F one cars or whatever he's doing now. He's fine. Yeah, got Agent Cody Banks money. He, which he does not. He's probably getting checks and just being like, "What the hell is Agent Cody Banks?" <laughs> What's a big fat liar? He isn't. That's yeah. the real shame. He doesn't remember being in a movie where Paul Giamatti got painted blue. Well, it's a blessing and a curse, Larry. That's true. You forget your Agent Cody Banks's, but then you also forget your blue Paul Giamatti's. Yeah. It's real monkey's paw kind of thing going on over there. So anyway, so at yeah, the end of WandaVision, flashback. Uh, it, it like goes back to the present, and also they have these kids. Kids aren't real, so like, there's this whole thing where they get disappeared along with Vision as she dispels the hex, the illusion. Not really an illusion, because yeah. it's real, but her spell over this place. She's known him for like three days at this point. Like... I understand that they are her kids, even though, like, they have been artificially aged up. But they make it clear, like, in episode four or whatever, when they're watching the show, I think they say, like, it started, like, a few days ago. So at that point, it would probably be, like, five days from when this started. So, yeah, she would know the kids, like, two or three days. Anyway, uh, they all get nuked. Uh, She, like, it's kind of messed up. She sort of uh imprisons Agatha inside her own mind. Uh she makes her yeah. just like turned her, her into like the neighbor character she was before. Like that's a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure style bad guy punishment. Like that's, that's some, why it does yeah, to Diavolo. That's Diavolo yeah. Shit. yeah. Or like I guess it's better than cars like being trapped, like frozen, going through space. I guess she at least has some sort of existence. Um also funny they could not get Fred Melamed for more than a day, I guess, because he's in that first episode, and then the end of it has all the rest of the townspeople. Cy Abelman, nowhere to be seen. Uh, the mom from that 70s show is there, but they couldn't get Fred. He was like, nope, I'm here for one day, I'm going to shoot these two scenes, that's it. Respect to Give him. Give me that Marvel check, and I'm <laughs> out. Uh, so... Yeah, so, it, they, so she, she becomes the the Scarlet Witch, so they say. Even though she is not, uniform isn't Scarlet. Annoying. No, it's like mauve. It's yep. Yeah, she's the mauve Avenger, just like in Halo. Yeah, I, I saw that mauve. tweet. Um, <laughs> how many times do I say that word in real life? Come on, not eighty years old. All the time. So feel the people who say that word. Mauve are Mauve. like driving around in burgundy Buicks. Smaug. Extremely old. They're they're out there saying Moxie all the time. So she returns the town to normal and then I guess just like goes to an island 
I'm not sure exactly what's happening at the end. It's like a drone shot goes in. It's like the end of Painting with John, really. Um, and she she runs along the beach, and then she finds Vision, and Vision's like asleep in the sand, and then they eat watermelons in the secret inning. Right? No. Oh. Um, but it's weird, because like, regular Wanda's just like out there. She's on a cabin on the lake. Making coffee, and then there's like Scarlet Witch Wanda in a bubble practicing spells. I guess I don't know. So is she gonna be the bad guy now, or like... I guess so. I don't know. Okay, that was like Probably. my main question that I actually had is like whether or not this is supposed to be her heel turn, or if this it's... is you're still supposed to root for her. She's the good guy. Ignore the fact that everything she did is really horrible, because like in universe, we're also going to ignore the fact that everything she did was really horrible. Because it's I, about loss I think that's kind of what's happening Because yeah she does Like free everybody but they also do make it clear That, that she was like torturing an entire town For like a week But it does kind of seem like it's sympathetic Towards her for this especially Considering she just leaves Like doesn't have any sort of Comeuppance for it or anything uh, So yeah. maybe not I I don't really know where they're going From here the main thing is that Monica Rambo gets set up to uh, be a part of Nick Fury's space station thing, uh, because this lady who has never been seen before um, comes up to her and is like, "Hey, meet me in the theater." And she goes in there and it's like, "Oh, hey, check this out. I'm a scroll. Anyway, old friend of your mom's wants to meet you." And she like points up in the sky. So, but more Monica Rambo, mm. fine with me. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that, like, if this, like, isn't actually setting up her becoming a villain and it's supposed to just be, like, well, she did horrible things, but it's understandable because, ah, loss. Yeah, it's a huge uh, waste of time. She's still a completely sympathetic character. Yeah, then it's at that point a huge waste of time. But I think that you could still do a story that is about a character grieving, but having that grief sort of corrupt them. And still, by the end of it, treated in a sense that, like, yeah, what happened to her is horrible, and she had to deal with loss, but the way that that manifested within her was terrible, and she's a bad person, and she's not better for this experience. I mean, really, I guess the, the end result of this is just making it so she has magic abilities, like making magic real within the MCU, I, I guess Doctor she, Strange already like, did. Yeah, um, I was going to say that's already a thing. Yeah, so, but like making it so she can be in the Doctor Strange movie because she is also magical. And I guess also making her powers more amped up than they were before because it was basically just like telekinesis. It's basically it. Yeah. Although it was also super ill defined because she could also occasionally shoot I, beams and I think read minds. I don't maybe. want anti hero Scarlet Witch, though. I want Scarlet Witch's bad guy, Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch did not come out the other end of this thing a good person. She has been yeah. corrupted by it. And it, if that is not where they push this in, then, like, I'm not really interested and too invested in this stuff anymore anyway, but, like, the two things that have kind of, like, I guess there's, like, three things with Marvel still that are piquing my interest, and that's the the next Spider-Man, because I'm a, I'm a freak. And I really like Spider-Man. But also the fact that they're working in old villains into that thing from other movies is interesting to me, and I want to see how that plays out. Uh, the Loki thing looks neat. Yeah, I'm looking forward to and Loki. I, yeah, I like Tom Hiddleston a lot, and I, I, I think he plays that character great, so I'm, like I'm excited for that. I like Time Cop plots. Yeah, Like Time yeah. Squad from Cartoon Network. 
Uh, I am also kind of interested in the Doctor Strange thing because I just introducing the multiverse into this stuff could go in two very different directions. Where either it's great and it it injects some new life into this thing after Avengers Endgame, or it just kind of goes horribly and doesn't work out. And so also, I want to see how that plays out. I'm interested in that because of the Sam Raimi connection. Like seeing what he yes. does with Doctor Strange would be interesting. That too. I, I'm excited to see Sam Raimi's return to doing superhero movies, even though I'm not like a huge fan of those Spider-Man movies that he did. I think the first no. one was good. I didn't care for the second, and the third, of course, is interesting. I'm just a huge fan of Dark Man. He needs to bring back Dark Man. Yeah. What if Dark Man cameos in it? Oh. Wanda had a DVD of Dark Man. <laughs> so she creates a Dark Man universe. All the kids love Dark Man. They're big fans of Liam Neeson. Uh. But it turns out, no, it turns out she only had DVDs of like the direct video sequels that didn't have Liam Neeson in them. <laughs> yeah, Peter Parker's just like, oh, like that really old movie, Dark Man, with Liam Neeson. She's like, who's that? I only know of these with Arnold Vosloo. <laughs> I think that was super, like, replaced him in it. Uh, well, it's a bummer about WandaVision, I guess, because that al that also was one of the things I was kind of interested in. I the concept of WandaVision is very good, but it sounds like they just yeah, do not it, make good on it. It's just so weird because from the concept, you would think, oh, they're doing sort of a variation on the Vision miniseries that Tom King made, which would be a yes. really good TV series. Instead, yes, they like did this weird hybrid of that and House of M. You know what it sounds it like to work. me? What? It it sounds like when they did Gotham, yes. and you would think, oh, if yeah. they adapt like the Gotham Central books, that would be perfect. That would make a very good TV show. And then they decidedly don't do that. Nope. They just kind of like play that. They take that concept, and then they go in the opposite direction that you would want them to go with it in. Yeah. Well, it's because like and and similar to Gotham. Like, oh, we can't have a Batman movie without Batman. Yeah. And then similar to Gotham, a lot of dumbasses like it. Yep. It's actually maybe worse in the case of Gotham. Like I I don't know. I'd like Marvel even at its worst points has kind of maintained a certain level of quality that honestly is probably better than anything that Gotham has done. So Yeah, like I would much rather watch One Division again than try to watch Gotham, that's yeah. for sure. Uh to be fair, Gotham does have the balloon man though. Yes, that's true. One of the greatest <laughs> Batman villains, Balloon Man. Yeah, he ties people to weather balloons, uh, like you know, corrupt Catholic church officials, and they fly so high into the air they die. And then Bruce sees it on TV and says, yes, I will become a balloon man. <laughs> uh, aren't they doing another series? Aren't they doing like yeah, another they are. Gotham Central series? They are. Yeah, it's supposed to be like, I want to say it's connected to the upcoming Batman movie. Oh, Although yes, maybe they've yeah, actually yeah. like changed course with that now and they've kind of like disassociated it from the movie. I'm not that, sure. That was the one where like the showrunner quit. Yeah. So, uh, Christ. Probably thought shouldn't have high hopes for that one. Yeah. Speaking of not having high hopes for anything, uh, did you see the leaked stuff from Justice League? I haven't, no. I heard that it came out and then that uh, WB has been purging it off the internet. So I saw a couple clips that 
Everything's right. gonna be garbage. Well, we're gonna watch it together. <laughs> Not literally together, but we're going to watch it when it comes out and talk about it on this podcast. And probably a big mega episode because I bet there's a lot to unpack there because it's four goddamn hours long. Yeah. Or more than that, actually. I saw it? what Martian Manhunter looks like in this. Oh Ooh boy. Okay, don't spoil anything for me. I kind of want to. I think that Justice League is probably best digested completely fresh because I didn't <laughs> okay. see like virtually anything from the original outside of like the post credit scene and the bit where Superman comes back. Those are the only parts of the original Justice League I saw. The only parts I've seen from the original uh, is, yes, the bit with Deathstroke at the end, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, well, there's but, also the bit with uh, him racing the Flash, but I I don't know if that was post credits, mid credits, or right before the credits. I haven't and seen I that. Hate that I even have to worry about that distinction. <laughs> I haven't seen that bit either. I've just seen the bit with Deathstroke and um, Superman's upper lip, like that. And I think that's like right at the beginning. <laughs> apparently, that won't be God. in this, so I don't know. Great. Well, uh, when does it come out again? 18? Or is there still not a release? The 18th, okay. Damn, I, I gotta so. get an HBO Max subscription. Yeah. Watch I mean, Tom and Jerry. When you get it, you can also watch the animated series of Justice League and Superman and Batman. You know, the good well, Larry, ones. that seems like a much better <laughs> way to spend my time if I'm right. devoting that time to Justice League. That is correct. Why would you put both of those on the same platform? <laughs> I don't know. You One can of... wa- just watch the opening, like, three-part... Episodes of uh, Justice League And pretend you watched the movie I posed that question As if though someone excited For the Snyder Cut would see this Old garbage looking Justice League Cartoon that's their opinion not mine And that they would want to watch that Before the Snyder Cut Which might as well be the only piece of media That has ever existed or will ever exist I saw someone post like Um so when this comes out, it's bad. Are the Snyder Cut fans going to admit it's bad, or are they just going no. to, <laughs> yeah, like fool themselves and liking it? It's like, yeah, you know the answer to this question. Of course, they're not going to admit that it's bad. They are going to double, triple, and quadruple down on the quality of that thing. Yeah, that is the the Snyder Cut shit is similar brain rot to what is happening with like people who are way into politics at this point. It it really doesn't matter. If the thing that you like is actually bad, it's always going to be good because you're on that team. Yeah, they're they're Snyder Cut people. They're going to demand like super expensive Blu-ray releases of it that come with like replica batarangs or whatever. Like, uh, oh god, I hope I hope they do. I hope they do make that, but I hope it's like the collector's edition to Arkham Asylum where the batarang is made cheap and is all (laughs) scratched to shit. Yeah. Because that's exactly what they deserve but I was going to say like they'll demand these And then just buy like three copies each Because they're that devoted to this <laughs> Weird thing I pre-ordered that collector's edition And then when I saw it I was like Okay give me just the disc please Yeah, I'd like to cancel this thing This looks terrible I remember it, it was yeah. just like Also it's like poorly molded Right like it, yeah, it just it, looked bad In general Yeah it looked God. Hey, uh, we gotta get through our last segment in this podcast. It's Retro Corner. Retro Corner. Yeah, I played a couple of games. Uh, one of them, I'll have more to say about than the other, but the first one is Burning Force. Uh, is which Burning is Force? a lot... So, are you familiar with the game that I like to call Fantasy Zone? Which you might know as Space Harrier. Yes. 
Okay. Burning Force's Space Harrier. Except oh, instead cool. you play as an anime girl, and she's on, like, a hover bike. And you only have, like, left and right movement. You don't have up and down or diagonal or any of that. Uh, and and you're just scrolling through and you're shooting a bunch of dudes. And each... So the, the game is framed as basically this is a training course for her. And it's divided into six different days. Except the last day is just really like a final boss fight. Uh, because each day is then divided into like three acts and a bonus round at the end of it. And the third act of each day, you then like your bike becomes a full on jet. And that's when you get full movement. It's and then like you that, fight a boss um, at the end of the third act. That other one you played in one of the launch streams, uh, where it was like a spy hunter thing, where you like transformed as it went on. Uh, no, not quite. Oh. No, I don't. <laughs> I've played a lot of a lot of launch games for video game consoles at like this you, point. You start as a, a motorcycle, and then you get in the van, and then you turn oh, into right, a car, right. and then yes. you turn into a jet at the end. Yeah, so... Sort of, except that sort of transformation is not a power-up that you pick up. It is specific levels you turn into the jet. Uh, and so you would think that maybe kind of like reducing it and not giving you that movement for the majority of the game would be like, oh, well, it's space harrier, but it's reductive, and so it's not as good. And uh, you would be right, but I liked it. <laughs> okay. That's what matters. Uh, I, sure. Um now, I think it actually still plays completely fine. There's a lot of ramps that you jump off of uh, to get air and to pick up different power-ups and, and things like that. And the game, like, the, the difficulty pacing is actually pretty good. It gets really hard by the end of the game, but it never felt like, oh, hey, it's level three, and now it is ridiculously difficult. It has a very good kind of, like, you know, climb up towards the difficulty, um, which I feel like a lot of games add that, eh, whatever. <laughs> incline a slope uh-huh. a perfect 90 degree angle um i feel like a lot of games of that era though uh just you would get past the first couple of levels and then it's like it's a hard game now so this one actually being very evenly paced was was pretty good um but yeah like it, it's fine it's it's a fun little space harrier-esque thing that you can probably beat in about an hour or two. Uh, so yeah, I would, uh, as as far as like a rating for that, I would say uh, I'd give it maybe three space harriers out of four. And then like okay. a little jet that you can fly around in, but only sparingly. Uh, and then the other game I played, uh, this is a much more big one. You might have heard of it. It's called Perfect Dark. Oh yeah, I have played Perfect Dark recently Well there you go Did you play the good version of Perfect Dark? Because I yep. did not <laughs> Yep, I played it on my Xbox Series X Every good laptop gun One of the all time best video game weapons Yes, hell yes uh, Which is actually kind of funny Because I think that may be my biggest So I don't like Perfect Dark as much as I do Goldeneye I think GoldenEye is a better shooter, and I, I think that is a point that a lot of people, I was going to say disagree with, but I think that's not true because I think a lot of people hold GoldenEye up in too high of a regard, and so they probably would say GoldenEye is better for that reason. But I think it's not as good of a game, partly because the weapons just don't feel like they have as good of a punch as they do in GoldenEye. There's oh, exceptions disagree. like the laptop gun. Falcon mm. pistol, real good. 
there there are good guns in the game. There are guns that are just as good as Gold Knight, but I feel that like Gold Knight, every single gun feels perfect. And uh, Perfect Dark, there's some that I just don't want to bother with. I mean, the the was it like CMP one fifty is kind of the equivalent of the Clob that way. But like the yeah. the Falcon pistol, I think is way better than the the PPK. What's it called in Goldeneye? I think it's. It's oh, not PPK because they don't use any of the real yeah. gun names. Um, but I'm actually it's way not better sure. than that because that Goldeneye, you know, it's just a little. Pew, 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 it's like whereas... USP, I think, is what they call no, it. No, because USP is also a real gun. It's like it's like oh, okay. PP7, I think, is what they call it. Oh yeah, 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 PP7. Um, but yeah, the the Falcon is a way better sort of regular gun than that is. Um, yeah, but then they also have shotgun. stuff like the laser pistol. That's just basically the laser gun from Halo, and I didn't like it in that game either. Yeah, when I you charge so. it up, yeah, kind of. But it's got the X-ray sniper rifle. What about the X-ray sniper rifle? That was super cool at the time. Yeah, but then I have to like control sniper rifle on a Nintendo 64 thumbstick, and it feels oh, bad. And I don't. That's your like own it. fault. You're playing a non-N64. <laughs> How dare what are you, you doing? <laughs> I wanted to play a game at a cinematic 12 frames a second, Larry. <laughs> that's right. Well, you've got the expansion pack, and it has that high-resolution rendering. That's true. Some would say that that game is unplayable without the expansion pack. Uh, yes. Because it won't let you play the fucking levels. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really love that, like, if you if you have the expansion pack out of that console, it's just like, here's the multiplayer levels. Yep. Now, if you want to play the single-player game, buy an expansion pack, you freak. It's 2001. Yeah. Uh, and, um... I don't remember what I was going to say. Think about okay. expansion well, the, pack. Well, we disagree on the guns. I I feel that there's just a lot of guns that dragon. They don't they, like they, the dragon. I just not as much as the fire, stuff in You Bolton just I. chuck it at somebody and it explodes. <laughs> don't know why you'd sure. really want to do that, but you can. It was way before Look, Borderlands I, I, ripped it off. I just really don't like. It's not to say that the weapons in Perfect Dark are all bad or something like that. It's just as far as like the feel between Goldeneye and Perfect Dark, the guns in Goldeneye I just feel have better sounds and better punch to them, and they feel a lot more unique between each other than the ones in Perfect Dark do. The the bigger complaint I have about Perfect Dark is I think that some of the objectives in that game are a lot more obtuse than the ones that you would find in Goldeneye. Sometimes. To a point. Like, the... If you're playing both of these on, like, the easy difficulty, right? Goldeneye, at that point, is really just to get to the end of the level. Yes. There's there's not a whole lot that you need to do. When you're playing it on the higher difficulty, it's like, hey, you got this, like, scanning device. You need to know which console to throw it at. We're not going to really specify which one. Uh, figure it out. There are, there are mission objectives that are like that in the easy difficulty of Perfect Dark. Yeah. And so there there were some points where I was playing the game where it's just like, oh, you got to, like, fuck around with this tower. Like, you need to shut it off. I was supposed to, like, shoot at it instead of hitting a button, and I didn't know that. So it's running around just, like, punching the A button in front of every single panel, and, like, most of them would not do anything, but, like, some of them would. Yeah. So I'm, so I, I'm just playing it on Perfect Agent. I've skipped these, like, lower difficulties because I'm just trial and erroring my way through that one. Yeah, um, and also there's just some objectives where it's like it just kind of springs it on you, like in the chateau one, when you get down to the bomb level and then you hear Nerdlinger come on. And he's like, 
Agent Dark, there are guys upstairs that are trying to hack into our servers. And, um, like... People who have never played Perfect Dark might think that's an exaggeration, by the way, but it's not. That's, like, almost a dead-on impression of that guy. That's actually what that guy sounds like. Um, And so, the first time doing that, I did not know I had to go back upstairs. He doesn't actually say upstairs, he just says, like, they're hackers. Um, Yeah. And so... Failed that one, which is great because that's like at that, the end. That same level, like uh, you go to the bottom and you have to like turn on the water generator and you have to hit the panels in a specific sequence. And like it's not that hard of a sequence to figure out. There but are only two. For some it's reason, like, well, like panel normal. panel one turns it on. Panel two activates like the filtration system, and that's it. Then, then like the third, the third, the third, yeah, you go back to the other one. You turn the last panel on, and it brings like the dish online or something like that. But like for some reason, I would hit the first panel. That'd be fine. I hit the second one, and as soon as I turn away from it, it's like filtration system has shut back off again. And so I was thinking that there was a different panel somewhere I had to hit before the second one, which is not the case. I don't know why it was just shutting off on me because oh, wow. eventually, like, I looked up a guide because I was just like, "Am I missing something here?" And the guy went through it in the same sequence that I was going through it in. And so I was like, huh, okay. And I went back and I did it again. And then that time it just inexplicably worked. So I don't I don't know why. There is a weird bit like that in, the, I think, the second mission where you're underground. And it's like you have to activate the cleaning procedure for the robot or whatever. And you have to hit these like yeah. completely nondescript panels in a specific order. Which, again, it's really yep. just two of them. But the first time I did that, it, I just kind of like stumbled onto it. Also, I still don't know what the deal is with the weapon cache there, where it's like, you hit a panel, it's like, weapon cache locked. Okay. Oh, like yeah. It's not, yeah. You don't need it for anything, so I'm not sure what the point of that is. The The other one that threw me off is when you rescue uh, Paul. See, I said I was going to come uh-huh. back around it. His name is Elvis in this game. He's basically just Paul, yeah. the alien. Elvis, by the way, is great. He's Elvis like maybe cool. the best part of Perfect Dark. I love him. He's got that little vest with the American flag on it, and says uh-huh. Elvis on the back. So you know he's Elvis. Uh, but you rescue him, and like you have a choice where you can let like your inside guy at that facility and Elvis escape in the UFO, and then you can escape on the bike, or you can escape with Elvis, and then the guy that you leave behind, he dies. So I wanted him to live, so I, I let the two of them go in the UFO, and then I thought I was supposed to take the bike and like bridge the ramp through like the tunnel that they got out on and that's not the case you have to loop the bike around and then go through a hole in the wall which i did not think at all that is what i was supposed to do so i spent like a good five minutes trying to like jump this ramp and it would not let me oh sure i was just sitting here thinking like am i supposed to hit something is there like a weird like hold down z and press the c button and looked up a guy and was like no you don't go that way at all so it's just like there's a lot of stuff like that in Perfect Dark of just it's not the most intuitive game design and that stuff is present in GoldenEye and in fact a lot of rare games of that era. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like GoldenEye was better about segmenting that stuff off into the harder difficulties whereas it's pretty prevalent throughout all the difficulties in Perfect Dark. Um, on my GoldenEye I just went through like the, the middle of the road difficulty for Perfect Dark. So... I didn't feel as compelled. I wasn't trying to prove anything with Perfect Dark. So also, uh, the way I was with Goldeneye. Do you play Perfect Dark back when it came out? No, uh, we we rented it for like a night, and I think I only played like the first level. And okay. I've already shared my thoughts before on that first level. I think that it is uh, 
those floors are way too samey and it's easy to kind of get turned around and lost in them. Yeah, it's uh, weird you said because... that kind of goes away the further in you get, but I think that there are some other levels that still kind of have that sort of design to them where I'm, everything blurs together. I remember there's one that's like in the pyramid or whatever that's kind of like... Uh, the... But yeah. but mostly, I think it's a lot better. Um, So, I well, I just wondered because when I was a kid, the turn of being about aliens really took me off guard. I was not expecting that, even though... Like there is an alien face like in her eye in the box art, but I never yeah. looked that closely at it. And so when it's just like, oh, here's a little alien man, it's like, oh, cool. That's weird. It's Paul. Yeah. It's Paul. Hi, I'm uh, Paul. <laughs> um, no, when I when I played that I knew the alien twist was coming because the game's just been out for so long now oh, that yeah. through osmosis I picked up it was about aliens. But like I'm Pretty sure at the time of finding that out, that's not what I thought that game was either. I thought it was just strictly super spy stuff. I did not think that it would go in a deus ex sort of direction where you were going (laughs) into Area 51. Shoot these greasels. And even then, I thought Area 51 was like the end of the game. I didn't realize that was like the second set of missions is going to Area 51. Yep. And a third set, but like still loaded towards the front of the game. Um. Yeah, you just like go, Dark is... straight up go to the alien planet and shoot a bunch of aliens. Yeah, that final boss fight, I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about being obtuse, I didn't know I had to shoot those like pillars, and so I got killed and had to redo the entire level. Ooh, uh, cool, that's cool. another problem I have, is there's no checkpointing in this, which, you know, of course there wasn't in GoldenEye either, but... I think a lot of that man, was just like games at the time, that's how they were. Like especially that yes. sort of game. Like you look at, yeah. like not that long ago, I was replaying um, Jedi Outcast. It reminded me of like that era of shooter levels where it's like they would just design things where they expected you to figure out that you can run along this tiny edge, <laughs> just like sort of clipping your way around this room, yeah. and that's just the intended way to get around it. Well, some of that was in the new uh, Wolfenstein. Yeah, for God's sakes, there there are still people designing games that way, which I like as a throwback to that kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, I I think that the lowest point of Perfect Dark for me is the mission where you have to push the box up to the wall and get it to explode because it has like floaty pinball physics. Oh yeah. And so you bump it the wrong way, it just starts ricocheting off of everything. Yeah. And if it gets shot too much, it blows up and you fail the mission. And it doesn't immediately bump you out of the mission. You're still in it and you have to manually abort the mission. Uh, so with that, I know that you can pick up a grenade and just throw the grenade at the wall. And then you don't have to fuck around with the box at all. But whether or not a grenade ends up spawning, I believe is random. It just, a enemy will drop it or they won't drop it. And so I got them to drop it once and I went through fine. And then I died and had to redo everything. And so at that point, I just kept restarting the mission every time I killed everybody and nobody dropped a grenade because I just did not want to fuck around with the box. And I did that so much that I was just like, well, at this point, I'm wasting the same amount of time I would have if I just pushed the box around. So then I just had to push the box around anyway. That mission's awful. I can't believe that anyone (laughs) sat down and was just like, this is a really good way to structure a mission is having this box with bullshit physics that just bounces all over the place and blows up. Something weird uh, for me is that when I was a kid, that uh, the Chicago mission, uh, where you like start on the streets and all of that stuff, to me that seemed 
like a sprawling level. Like if that yeah. was like Deus Ex or something like that. That mission possi- made me cry. The possibilities are endless. Like you, you can go over here, go down here, <laughs> go in this gutter, get your equipment, put put a tracking device on this car. This is crazy. Now it's the I smallest it. level in the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I look at it, it's just like, oh, this takes like five minutes. Yeah. The only thing you have to worry about is that uh that drone shooting at you and alerting the guards and then it fails the mission, which yeah. happened to me several times. Oh yeah. I yeah, it's just like the atmosphere of it carries it a long way. We talk about on this podcast doing retro corner that like certain experiences end up becoming tied to games because of when we played them. And I think that actually has happened now with Perfect Dark because I was going through the Chicago mission. I just decided to have like YouTube video playing in the background. It was the Red Letter Media video where Mike talks at length about Zach Baggins. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so the Chicago mission and Zach Baggins is like now com- linked for all time <laughs> for just me, I think. Thinking about the Dybbuk box? Yes, exactly. Like when you started, when you brought up Chicago, just thinking about fucking ghost adventures. Right. <laughs> Oh god. Um let's think about Macklemore whatever getting cursed by the Dybbuk box and his plane crashing. Christ. Ow. Oh Malone. I, I punched my desk because I brought up the Dybbuk box. I'm cursed. Yeah, uh, like I, I don't mean to just kind of shit all over perfect art because I think it is like it's still a fine game. When when I talk down on it i'm mostly doing it in the context of comparing it to goldeneye which i think it's very difficult to talk about perfect art and not compare it to goldeneye because they're very much outside of the fact that it is the same developer yeah the same people working on those games they are very heavily tied to each other just in terms of presentation and the way they feel when they play oh yeah i mean they have straight Um, up the same sound effects for a lot of the guns yeah uh well there's some others that are just not they're not as good larry I insist oh, no. upon this. Yeah, some, but, but the, others are exactly the same. Yeah, and and then that's where I end up falling on Perfect Dark is it's just not as good as Goldeneye to me, and perhaps some of that is just nostalgia that I have for Goldeneye, and then some of it I I do think that Goldeneye is just a better designed game. Uh, but Perfect Dark is still totally fine. It's serviceable. I probably would like it more if I played it on like an actual like video game console that was competently designed. Perhaps if they did some sort of a port of the game where it looked better and it ran at a decent frame rate. I just don't think that option's available to me. So yeah, I, I played it on the Nintendo 64. I know what the news was <laughs> that hmm. happened after last week. Uh, the Dinosaur Planet thing got leaked. Oh, right. Yeah. I actually watched some of that last night, and I also forgot about it. <laughs> Speaking of things running on Nintendo 64 at a bad frame rate. Hell yeah. Uh, so, like, the GoldenEye thing got leaked on the Xbox 360, and then, yeah, only a couple weeks later, like, we got Dinosaur Planet now. Yeah. And uh, good reminder that Dinosaur Planet is not exactly a bad game. Mostly just people did not want that from Star Fox, and so it was reviled at the time. Uh, it's still fine. It's fine. Uh, it's fine. Okay, Larry, it's fine. So, it's just like Zelda. It's fine. No. Like Star. It's got Fox, crystal in it, and she's hot. It's fine. Well, look, I'm not disputing that, but <laughs> I'm, I'm fucking with you. 
these are opinions that I've heard people bring up now that Dinosaur Planet has entered back into the conversation. I don't agree with them. Dinosaur Planet's not a good game. Come on. You mean Star Fox Adventures, because we haven't played Dinosaur Planet. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Oga Dinosaur Planet's trouble. also not good. As Pikachu tries to keep peace between Squirtle, Bulbasaur, Snubble, Raichu, Meryl, and Cubone, Togepi wanders away unwatched. Pikachu spies baby Togepi just as it begins walking across a log bridge. In the rush to save Togepi, the log begins to roll under Pikachu's feet and it goes flying through the air and into the pool. Pikachu returns with Togepi to its friends a little bit tired and a whole lot wet. This is a tops oil card for Pikachu's vacation. Togepi in I trouble. Thought, I thought you were reading from a Ulalilia book again. I thought no, that we were doing that when we were back to the movie bit. animation edition 45 is probably worth a lot of money. Uh, and remember when they did like mangas based on like anime movies and they just took a bunch of stills from the movies and then sold it as a book? No, but I believe that happened. Yeah, that that was in the uh, era of Tokyo Pop. What's your rating for Perfect Dark? Oh, I thought that we were done. Um, you have to do ratings. Hmm. Well, I, I think since I talked about guns to frankly nauseating length, uh, it would be best to rank Perfect Dark on a scale of GoldenEye guns, like in terms of which gun fuel encapsulates the quality of the game. And so I think it's probably the sniper rifle in GoldenEye, because it's a little bit wonky, but... I'm also still like kind of endeared to it, even though it's not really good and it's not what you want to use slash play. So it looks like Marty McFly's jacket for some reason. Yes. That it's a very plush looking gun. Like I could just yeah. snuggle up with that thing and probably get a good night's sleep. Okay. So, I'm yeah, going to give it a... A, a ten out of ten. It's perfect. It says it right there in the title. <laughs> you can't give it anything else. It's perfect dark. Come on. <laughs> Goodbye, dinosaurs. Just a perfect day. Drink sangria in the park. And then later, when it gets dark, we go home. a perfect day feed animals in the zoo then later a movie too and then home oh Just a perfect day